And welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Erin Pym. And here at the Bedpost Podcast, what I like to do is bring fun and sexy guests into the studio to have a lovely conversation about sex and sexuality with me. But first, you know I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> Got to tell you about my Patreon, everybody. Patreon.com slash the Bedpost Show. And there are some tiers for you, which you can choose whatever is appropriate. You could go on the first tier. You could get audio erotica stories that I've written, and I actually read to you. Um, and you are also getting solo mini episodes. You get one a month at the first tier. The second tier, you get two a month. The third tier, you you get all of those things, but also some fetish content as well. So I have fetish clips, I have photo sets. Uh, it's a lot of fun over there at patreon.com slash the show. Let me tell you. So if any of that interests you or you just want to throw me a couple bucks in support, I'd really appreciate it. You can do so at the mentioned Patreon link. But without further ado, I do have a fantastic guest here in the studio today. This is a topic-based episode. I know you don't get too many of those from me, but this guest is very passionate about said topic, so please welcome to the mic, Steve. Hi, Hello. Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Why don't you, why don't you tell the people what we're going to talk about today, Steve? Uh, we're going to talk about polyam, uh, or polyamory. Or, as I like to call it, uh, ethical open love. Oh, um, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like the word polyamorous. I think it's cheesy and, uh, you know, like, there's, there's like, purists out there who go, you're mixing Latin and Greek together. No. But <laughs> I'm not like that. I just, I feel ethical open love really describes what is the core of it. Yeah. And I also feel that polyamorous or polyamory gets abused by the muggles. Ah, you know I mean. yes, the muggles. So if you're on Tinder and somebody goes, I'm Polly, sometimes it's just code for, I want to screw around on somebody, or I want to fuck everybody, and uh, mm-hmm. you see more and more of that, so. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And, okay, we're going to we're gonna attempt to do quite a feat <laughs> here on this episode for you. 21. 21 <laughs> polyam hacks. Yeah. Okay. So it's good that we're jumping right into it. I love it. Because we got we to gotta get through. We got to get through. Yeah, you got to time Real clippy-like. So, okay, you have written this article, and you said to me uh, pre-recording that you just kind of keep adding to it as your life goes on. Oh, yeah. It- so it's been, you've been writing it for maybe how long it started as um five poly hacks great it started as a journal a personal journal because i wanted to sort of chronicle my experience love that um and also i mean it's it's a hacks these are hacks and a hack is of course you're taking something and you're making it better you're taking something and you're modifying it to fit something in your life Mm -hmm. or Um, to make something easier yeah so each one of these points is a point of growth throughout my experience Love it. Um, yeah. So that's So it was five? Five. It was just sort of journal entries of like my experiences and things that worked. Because, you know, when you are, when you are a hardcore polyamorous person, a lot of your 
uh, muggle friends, as I call them, <laughs> um, ask you a ton of questions. And I was getting lots and lots of questions. Or of even course. just guys in the bars. It's like, how do you do it, man? It's like, you're the Messiah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I'm How not, do you actually. fuck all these chicks, man? Yeah, yeah. Oh, like... What's your secret? Yeah. Um, so I wrote this as sort of like cookie cutter answers, but also like to be reflective for myself. Of course. And then it grew and it grew and it grew. And every time I had a piece of growth and then finally I renamed the, I posted it on uh, FetLife at first <laughs> and then I submitted it to, um, I submitted it to a rather well, you know, received and uh, followed polyblog and, uh, and then sort of word got around us for doing talks about it. Nice. Um, yeah. You mentioned you were at Oasis. Kind yeah. Of I did Oasis. Yeah. Um, did, um, uh, another podcast. <laughs> you do you. There are I'm other podcasts. Around. There are other podcasts. <laughs> I know, amazing. Oh isn't my it? god, how rude of them. And um, uh, you did you did Patrick's intellectual I erection. Did, I erection. did. Lovely Patrick. Yes. Intellectual yeah. erection. And that was a lot of, of fun. And so and then like it's just sort of hit a critical mass. Like I guess the Oasis talk of like just words just sort of got around, which was, I was really kind of flattered and floored by it and. Uh, so now I have the sort of people in my circle talking about like you should like expand on this. You should go for a hundred poly hats. Yeah. Just collect other people's experience. Maybe publish it somehow. So that's sort of like where I'm going to go with it. Okay. So, well, I love it. So, but for, but for now, yeah, we're at twenty one. Twenty one. So and, yeah. yeah, let's. Okay, are we going to jump in here? Yeah, I just did want to say one yeah, thing. Of course, yes, please do. This is purely my experience mm-hmm, these mm-hmm. polyhacks i want to like sort of make it very clear to your listeners that i am not an expert i'm not a i'm not a doctor yes <laughs> i don't have any psychological background i just Pure i just role experience. play one yes yeah yeah so you know when when i when i wrote these a lot of them are written as like sort of like advice you shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that um but you know take that with a grain of salt right mm-hmm. like you sh- like if you're if something works for you I'm not the rule setter. I'm not the master of this. I'm always learning. In fact, I try to be as humble as I possibly can about this subject. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, great. So, that said... Jump in. Number one. Number one. Make healthy relationships your hobby. Yes. I like that. So, yes. Tell me about it. This one I love. It's number one. Um, it's number one for a reason. <laughs> it's number yeah. one for a reason because it was kind of this first eureka moment I had where... I okay, so I personally love reading healthy relationship books and psychology, and you know I'm kind of like one of those armchair people that you know um, I try not to pathologize my life, but I do like to read about boundaries and codependency and relationships and healthy relationships and you know self care all these sort of holistic subjects. So you're like you're like a polyam geek is what I'm kind hearing. Of. You I wanna... mean, I've got a lot of hobbies, so <laughs> this is one of them. This is one of them. Yeah. And so at one point in my life I had upwards of about five partners. Some mm-hmm. heavier than others of course because no human being has enough time for five full time in depth that would be a loving lot. relationships. Yeah. And even, you know, but I had I had a quite Hol- a... holler at us if you are are a person <laughs> that does that because I want to hear your story because <laughs> and... how insane your life is by the way yeah, yeah. that's actually yeah. a good call by all means hit me up yeah, we want to hear that yeah um, yeah I had quite a few um, at one time it was short lived because of course I didn't have the time for everybody uh, and some people were just kind of like you know side pieces it was all open disclosure and some people were in depth live in partners and it's different levels it's very spectrumy. Um, but I 
found that one of the ways of sort of managing all of that was to read the classics, read them again, yep. constantly reference them, have those little plastic sticky things that you put on every, you know. Oh, and you're like um, post-it, bookmarking. Uh, you're podcasts, like... <laughs> blogs, all these things. Sharing articles with your partners, sort of really immersing yourself, not only yourself, but sharing this stuff with your people. You know, if there's a particular issue or something that, you know, bothers people, you you know, you, there's something about that out there. Mm-hmm. And you go find it and you read it and you share it and you have the kitchen table talk. And so it ends up becoming like, I mean, um, you know, one of the things I say in the in the first um, thing is like hobbies are things people are passionate about. Yeah. Like if you're like, if you're a hockey player and you're into hockey, you go all out, right? Get the tickets, you know, hockey sticks, skates, sports, uh, um, scrapbooking, yeah, stats, yeah, <laughs> uh, scrapbooking. You you know you spend hours in Michaels, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are things you're passionate about. So mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. you know, polyamory is part of my life. It's a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Like having relationships and and sort of focusing on people and loving relationships and doing becoming, it well. Yeah, yeah. And you, and what, it, you, you know, like. Trying to do better, at least. Yeah. I don't know if I do, do it well. Like, I don't want to sit there and pretend I'm Mr. Polyamory. I've had my fair share of difficult times and meltdowns. <laughs> for and sure, for sure. Difficult things, but at least I'm trying to work on it and trying to focus on it. So that's number one. Make Love it. relationships, your hobby, read the classics, read the blogs, listen to the bad post, all those things. <laughs> Love you. Okay, <laughs> number two. Number two. Connect with your people every day. Every single day, connect with your Every people. Every day, because this is a quick one. This is a no-brainer, right? Like, if you are... Tr- uh, I'm going to get all, like, haughty here for a minute. If you, <laughs> you are might. truly into ethical open love, you're not, you shouldn't be using people no, for yes. your own pleasure or your own thing. And a lot of people do. Like, this is the sad point of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you meet somebody you really like them, you want to have a relationship, let them know. Be honest with them Mm -hmm. and connect with them every day even if it's like sending a stupid meme Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know yeah connecting can look a lot of different ways ways you don't have to profess your love to them every day you don't have to have an hour phone call with them every day you You can send them you can send them a meme yeah Yeah. let them know you're there let them show them send them a joke send them a selfie send them a picture Mm -hmm. have a full-on conversation you Mm -hmm. know like like but make sure you like you do that every day Mm -hmm. because it's important it's important. Make them feel loved and... They and like they're res- part of your life. Yeah. And that yeah. you're on their mind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If so it's Yeah, kind if of you a, think of one of your partners at some point in the day, tell them. Absolutely. Or send them, you know, some cute little thing. And that seems anything. trivial. But the more partners you get, the more difficult it becomes. Because time is, of course, finite. You get jobs, uh, family... There's different, like I said, there's different levels and degrees of your relationships and the intensity and the velocity of those things. So, you know, as, as, as sort of trite as it sounds, it's like sometimes you forget, yeah. you know, if, you know, and some, and some people need less than others and we take advantage of those people a little bit sometimes. And yeah. so you want to make a By point. just leaving them on red yeah. for a week. Well, yeah. Like, and that's not cool, right? I'll give you an example. I ha- I have, you know, I sort of have a partner that's. Very, very casual. We're more friends that sometimes fuck than anything else. <laughs> and, you know, there was this one time where I hadn't really talked to this person a long time. And I didn't really know where the relationship stood. And then we ended up talking and they were like, oh my God, I feel the same way about you. I didn't reach out to you at all. I kind of just like I feel bad. left you out of there. Yeah. And I was like, I felt the same. And it turns out that's what we do. That's yeah. a thing. Like we, we sort of looked each other in the eye and said, we're okay with that. 
Um, and as long as you're both on board, great. Yeah. Perfect. But I felt bad. Yeah. And so that's because I wasn't sort of following my own advice and checking trying out. to check in on this person and sort of you know, like taking advantage of the fact that they are like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of one example where, you know, you want to establish those kinds of relationships before just taking them for granted, I guess. Yeah. Trying to say. Very good. Moving on <laughs> to number three, deprogram possessiveness. <laughs> oh, baby. This one's heavy. Oh, baby. This is one of the heavier ones. Yes. Um, this is one that we're really introspectively. <laughs> this is one where I could actually probably take up a, your whole podcast talking about talking this. about it, yeah. Because it's sort of um, so. One of the things I was talking about to you earlier, and it, this sub, this particular subject touches upon it, is when I was doing my talk at Oasis, I was really kind of the opening band for a much <laughs> deeper and heavier talk by um, a person by the name of Simon uh, Van Sarlus, mm-hmm. a Dutch. I think it's, it's either Simon, it might be Simone, mm-hmm. um, uh, who was presenting a talk on their book called um, Playing Monogamy. Yeah. It's a new book, a very heavy, scholarly, feminist, um, sort of anti-patriarch, in-depth look at decolonizing polyamory as, as a concept. Mm-hmm. And this, I was like, I was totally wet for this. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> like, Blood my this basement. person is right on the same topic. Because it was talking about this sort of like mentality. Um, one of the things they say in the article is we have, uh, you know, our, mo- our monogamous church-going ancestors. Mm-hmm. And that really sums up this idea. We are conditioned from birth, from Disneyland princesses and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Monogamy is the norm. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is there are tons of indigenous cultures and marginalized cultures throughout history that, and in fact, there's lots of, of evidence that suggests that polyamory is actually our natural, biological, and mental way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, you know, since the plow has been invented in our history, we're going way back, we're mm-hmm. going to like, like matriarch get a little woohoo on you here um, <laughs> a woo-woo, yeah. you know like neolithic level stuff mm-hmm. um but like this idea that monogamy is all about shadow it's all about ownership right particularly around women mostly right um and all of our concepts of marriage and romance is all caught up in this thousand well way way more than a thousand years yeah. of like uh, but our modern idea of marriage is about a thousand years old yeah. in the Western world, yeah. um, give or take. You, know, you could argue that as well. And so when I say depro- so we're getting back to like the sort of narrative here of de- deprogramming possessiveness, it's sort of you hear this in in bars, you hear this in society. My man, my woman, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the old ball and chain, you know, like these terms, and these are all, you know, um, even like. The white wedding dress itself. Yeah, they're is all this symbols, sort of symbol these, yeah. of ownership, rings, and uh, when I, I mean, in polyamory, you really got to sort of deprogram that stuff, and it's hard. It's way harder than you think it is. Yeah, because it's literally everywhere. It's everywhere. It's how we're programmed. It's what feeds our jealousy and insecurity, yeah. and so deprogramming this idea that like no one owns you. Period. In our world, the privileged world we live here in Toronto, Canada. Nobody actually owns you. Mm-hmm. Your husband doesn't own you. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. My partners don't own me. My chi- I don't own my children. Mm-hmm. Right? I actually don't own my children. We treat children like there are, we own them. Yeah. Right? And it's a thing. So this whole thing is like try to like find ways of 
catching yourself when you're acting that way or you're putting out that idea. Yeah, that like toxic. Very yeah. much so, especially when you're feeling feelings of jealousy. Right. You know, this person doesn't owe me anything. They cannot control me. Um, I cannot control them. Exactly. Yeah. And you will be free. Yes. <laughs> We're really scratching on the surface of something very heavy here. But I hear you. we have like yeah. 20, but also, 19 more to go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's one we really could talk for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it gets like really... Kind of I'm very interested. Okay. Well, we may have to continue our conversation off air. You could do a yeah. podcast subject on every one of these. Yes. Like exactly. The whole hour, Ooh. Sure. Want to do a 21 we could uh, do episode that. arc we could with do me? That, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is like the trailer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Number four find freedom in hiding nothing. Yeah. So. Nothing? Hiding nothing? Hiding you nothing. Say? This is radical honesty. So three and four kind of go hand in hand here. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to sort of deprogram your possessive habits, you need to dive into the world of radical honesty. And when I say hide nothing, mm, there are, you know, hiding Santa Claus from your children for a while is fine. It's probably I like okay. that white yeah. lies kind of thing. Right. Um, but like in reality, like this is a real, this is probably the most controversial one I get when I'm doing my talks. Right. Um, because there are people out there who practice a type of open love called don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. I firmly, personally. Don't practice don't that practice way. Don't practice it. <laughs> I have seen it go tits up really fast. Mm-hmm. I've seen it like, and I see a lot of new poly people Try to embrace do it. it as a solution um, because, you know, of this sort of like toxic monogamous world we live in. And it's just easier to hide and not tell anybody about what you're doing. The reality is, is it feeds right into the jealousy. Mm-hmm. So it, it's difficult because if when you're new at poly, sharing that openly about stuff is scary. Yeah. It's shit. the worst. It's yeah. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people who want to try poly practice this and then they never go back because it's a terrible experience because people cheat. Yep. Um, so, you know, obviously the caveat here is if don't ask, don't tell works for you. Mm-hmm. And I've actually met a few people since these talks where they practice it and they explain it works for me. And, mm-hmm. you know, here are the parameters. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like amazing. But my experience here is, I don't know, like it just causes a sort of weird tension at, at the beginning of your relationship. Yeah. Where, um, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to put it into words here. Like, I guess one of the things you could say about the sort of whole don't ask, don't tell idea is pe- when people cheat, they're not actually trying to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Let's say we're in a relationship mm-hmm. and I got some side piece on the side and you don't know anything about it and you find out about it and you're angry. You're rightfully angry. So mm-hmm. I didn't do that because I wanted to hurt you. Mm-hmm. I did that because I wanted to protect you. Mm-hmm. it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. The intentionality right? behind the, it is, the, yeah. Like I've seen this with people all over. You see this on soap operas on television. The reason why people are cheating is because they want to protect you from the pain of what they are doing. It's mm-hmm. really fucked up. Mm-hmm. The whole like hiding it, nothing thing. It's on the table. Mm-hmm. I want to fuck that person. Mm-hmm. I want to date that person. I'm falling in love with that person. Mm-hmm. Might be difficult to hear, but it's way better to have it. In my opinion on the table, full disclosure, have the conversation, talk about our feelings, mm-hmm. talk about how reassure 
uh, it ends up you end up having a, a much healthier experience in my opinion yeah I like this because at first when I saw this one I was like oh but like I don't need to know details about my partner's sex life with their you know with my metamor yeah and I kind of saw it as like oh tell them absolutely everything and I'm like what I don't need to know absolutely yeah. everything and I'm not going to necessarily, you know, my relationships are kind of private with the partner and I don't necessarily As they should be. need to share everything That's with not all the partners. Yeah, That's yeah. not what this not is what about whatsoever. I mean, there is something to be said about, you know, how was your date? Give me the gory details. I've yeah. That, partnerships like that. Yeah. Where somebody really feels a lot of compersion over you know, hearing the pornographic details. Yes. Of yes. The I've had that as night. well. Yes. That's really fun. If you're there, that's that. great. Go for it. But, but this whole concept is not about Yeah, that. not related to it's that whatsoever. It's more like um, a scenario where your partner knows you have other partners, and if they do ask, you're just going to tell them, because yes. they need to know. They need to be reassured. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, totally. You know, I'm, and of I'm course, bored. your other partners have rights of privacy as well around those things, too, and they would consider it as well. Yeah, of course. Okay, great. Number five... Pick empaths. <laughs> yeah. Some Deanna Troy shit <laughs> right now. <laughs> um, this is this sort of touches on like some of those codependency related relationship things that modern person sort of we've all been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, you really want to pick partners. And it's really hard to sort of know that this is a thing when you're, you know, in that new relationship energy part of a relationship. But you want to pick partners who really want you to be happy. That's sort of the benchmark I, I'm sort of citing here. Mm. Is um, if you pick a partner that, in a sort of twisted, codependent way, makes you feel bad about having other partners, and I've been there, then you know I, I sort of say in the article, pull the ripcord right away. Like that person is flag. not empathic. They're not, they don't care about your happiness. They care about you. Or, or your partner's partner's happiness. Yeah, or yeah, you yeah, like, taking care of them and saving them from whatever insecurity they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this could lead into a giant conversation about how jealousy is your own thing to handle and as much as you need to be, um, you know, empathic the other way and sort of understand the feelings that somebody might be feeling it's not your responsibility to fix that person it's not your your responsibility to um uh, coddle that person's experience when you're like a great example is you know you're going to go out on a date you're excited Mm -hmm. and i've had this happen before a a partner suddenly goes oh no i don't want you to do this yeah right Mm -hmm. like you know i'm feeling really bad you've got to stay with me or they look for a disaster to like catastrophize the situation. Yeah. I see through that stuff personally yeah. quite clearly, but it happens all the time with yeah. people. Oh, my partner is having a crisis. I'm sorry. I can't go on yes. a date. That's, yes. I've or had somebody cancel on me for those reasons. You get text text message while you're on that date and it's like, well, I don't like this. And you'd like, your, your brain just goes in two directions. You can't give to this new person. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. It's not even fair to the person who's causing it, right? It's just this twisted sort of thing. So this whole thing is about, you know, not picking empaths, but maybe even mutually learning empathic skills. Yeah. Trying to get to the bottom of why you're doing polyam. What are the philosophical reasons why you're doing this? How can we support each other? You know, what makes you happy? Where do you see yourself in five years in this kind of relationship dynamic with different people? All mm-hmm. those conversations happen. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, definitely. 
Okay, this is this is a great one because this is so true for people that practice poly. Well, there's you, memes about this. You know, okay, number six is become good at time management. Oh. Lord knows, be, you need a Google Docs calendar that everybody gossip? needs to share. Yeah, <laughs> sharing exclusively on the pod on the bed post podcast yes. right here. Please do this. One is totally directed at one of my partners. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Who is terrible. Janice, this is for you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Karen, this is for you. <laughs> Shane. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of true. Like, you know, we got these smartphones, right? Yeah, they're we like, got them for a reason. computers. Use them, God damn it. They're like PDAs yes. right in your hand. Here. Exactly. When I was a kid, we, had, we didn't have, you had a calendar. You had to write in it. Um, yeah, I have uh, some. I've had some partners where you know you set the you know, set the next date, or you're talking and you set a date, and it's like yeah, 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 I got it, and then they forget. No and man, it's the worst. I'm the, the worst. This, uh, yeah. I I if I don't put something in my calendar right away, I will forget, yeah. and I know that because I keep a really fucking busy schedule. Yeah. I'm not gonna just remember. I'm the same. Anytime anybody mentions any sort of anything. At a certain date or time, I'm like, calendar, even if I'm penciling it in, mm-hmm. I'm like, I write the thing and then I put a question mark after it in my calendar yeah. so that I see it there and then I'm like, oh, I'm going to confirm whether this is still happening or not. Or and, it or it is. And then add two and, or three partners to that mix. Yeah, there you go. Because here's the scenario that causes this. Your partner or one of your partners says, let's get together on the 17th. Mm-hmm. Let's have a date. You're like, yeah, 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 no problem. Yeah, that'll be great. Can't wait. <laughs> they go and set everything up. They might even do something special, cost money or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah. And you book a date with your other partner. Yeah. So now it's a situation where you're double booked with two different partners and you got to make that choice. Oh, yeah. And, yeah it's, Nobody it's, wants to be put in that position. It's gross. <laughs> it's gross. And I've seen it firsthand go really bad. And like, thank goodness I saw it as not the victim of this. But like, <laughs> I saw a scenario where one of my partners went to the club with somebody, like, they were supposed to be on a date with somebody and that other person showed up with somebody else. At the same club. At the same club. At the same and club. Holy shit. Not cool, right? And that's because time management. That's because oh, we're yeah. human beings and like, you know, even me as a Capricorn, I'm not perfect, right? Like, so <laughs> or the Virgos out there trying to organize everything. You're, you're going to miss stuff. Very logical, yeah. those Virgos. The more yeah. partners you add, the harder it gets. You got the computer in the palm of your hand. Yeah, use it. Yes. Okay. Because yeah. it can hurt people. Yes, yeah. of course. Oh my God. Big time can it hurt yeah. people. Let's take a moment to talk about our lovely sponsors, shall we? First of all, Oasis Aqua Lounge is a water-themed sex club located right here in Toronto at 231 Mutual Street. Oasis is inclusive of all genders and orientations and is shame-free when it comes to pleasure and play. Check them out at their website, oasisaqualounge.com. Unicorn Collaborators is the local leather business of two queer unicorns. They specialize in luxurious and colorful harnesses for all body types, and even craft non-conventional ones for your thigh, fist, or foot. Check them out at their Etsy shop under Unicorn Collaborators. Lovecrafters Toys is a non-gendered fantasy sex toy line that makes weird and wonderful dildos in the shape of tentacles, unicorn horns, mermaid tails, and more. Their high-quality silicone is hand-poured right here in Toronto. Check out their Etsy shop at Lovecrafters Toys. 
ComeAsYouAre.com is a trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop that also happens to be feminist and anti-capitalist. They carry only the best sex toys and want to give you the best price possible. Next time, use the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, when checking out at ComeAsYouAre.com. Okay, number eight. It's not a competition. Number eight is not... Uh, we missed seven. Did we? Yeah, always plan your next date. Oh, shit. Okay, it kind of goes hand in hand with number six. I like that. Okay, yeah. number seven. Yes, always plan your next uh, date. This is actually a real hack. Uh-huh. I do this myself. Uh-huh. I find it very, very useful. Uh-huh. At the end of your date, especially the ones that are great... Try to book the next one. Try to right figure away. out right away. Right away. When be on your phone with your calendar. You're going to see this person while they're there, yeah. because it's easy to go. Yeah, we'll 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 do it. And then just not. Yeah, we'll 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 book it. We'll talk later. We'll talk online. And then life. two months later. Two months later goes by. Yeah. So you know, obviously, sometimes people can't commit right away, but at least you're trying to get that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. And this to... is somebody that you know you want to have another date with. Like, this doesn't necessarily... This is a, a relationship. First... Yeah, this yeah. is not a first date thing no. where you're like, okay, we're having a second date, so get out your phone no, and No, it's not like that at all. In. This no. is, yeah. we have been together for a couple of years kind of scenario. Yeah, we yeah. need to make time for each other for another date, and let's do it. It's a very, it. very handy. You'll thank yourself later. It takes all the work out of worrying about later. Mm. And, you know, be a little bit forgiving with yourself. You can't always do it. Like, there's a little bit of loosey-goosiness here, but it's just something to keep in the back of your mind as a, as a true hack to the polyam lifestyle. Love it. Okay, yes, number eight. It's not a competition. Yeah, you wanted to get to this one, eh? <laughs> I like it. I like it, I like it. This is another kind of deep one that's got further implications. Yeah. You know, this yeah. idea of competing and balancing and... This is a big one, I think, for Mirroring. You. This is a poly 101 and... thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like... There's this, I've seen this and I have felt this myself and I have actually have been guilty of this myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't want to sit there again, like King Polly guy, um, where your partner has a relationship, it's going really, really well. And it's like, I want that. Mm -hmm. A a great example that, uh, like a tangible example is, um, you know, a partner has been asked to go on a vacation with another partner. That's nice. Yeah. You know? It's nice for them. And you're suddenly, well, why don't, you, why don't we go on a vacation? Or why don't I get to go on a vacation? Yeah. You know? Or the other one that I heard, actually, quite recently, was a friend of mine was like, my partner is having a threesome. I've never had a threesome. It's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get a threesome? It's like, this is this is not going to the corner store, dude. Like, you just don't go buy the threesome. Like your partner has worked hard to get to a place of trust with people that they can do that with. You got to do the work too. It's it's not a level playing field in relationship land. That's no. basically what this is about. It is so unrealistic um, to think that you can. But I understand the feelings behind it of being like, oh, I want that. Yeah, and like one of the examples that but I use. But that's not life, baby. Yeah, it's like you know when you have. I don't know if you have kids. I have kids. I do not, no. Um, if you have multiple kids, mm-hmm. if you have twins, <laughs> there's this thing where they have to have equal everything throughout their lives. Yeah, or else yes. this major upset yes, in yeah. the in the force. <laughs> the force, yeah. And, you know, 
I I don't personally eat at McDonald's, but I use this analogy. Like it's like going to McDonald's and your kids gotta get the same goddamn like True, surprise happy thing meal in the happy toy. meal. Yeah, and if or they else. don't. It's fucking disaster. <laughs> and I like and, that. Yeah, and and adults and polyamorous relationships are not like McDonald's Happy Meals. Yeah. If somebody got the Hello Kitty toy in the Happy Meal, if your partner got that, you don't get to get that. Yeah. You gotta settle with the rubber skateboard or whatever the hell it is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they give in toys these days. I just remember, I remember my daughter when she was small wanting the fucking Hello Kitty thing. I was like, we don't eat at McDonald's, honey. Oh, I, yeah. Yes. Okay. Love that. Okay. Moving on to number nine. I think we're keeping at a good pace here. I think we are. Number yeah. nine is Master the Art of Patience. Okay, yeah. This is um, this is one of those other ones where I think the, the title may not be necessarily what I'm trying to convey. Okay, so what, tell me. Yeah. So what I'm trying to convey here is I have found through my own experience that polyamory actually moves slower in its velocity compared to other relationship styles. Often you have a long-distance person involved. Um, I was reading... Um, at some point in recent history, an article about the six, apparently long distance relationships are far more successful than short term relationships. And there's a variety of reasons why sometimes you got to pack a lot of things into small periods of time and therefore you're maximizing your quality time. And, you know, we can get into that, but, um, I sort of, this one sort of touches upon how in polyamory, because you're spreading your time around a bunch of different people that your relationships tend to move in this sort of weirdly slower pace than a regular relationship. Even your anchor partner that you see every day, you're not spending as much time with that person than you are a monogamous couple... Who lives together. Who lives together and are, you know, supposed to be the be-all and end-all. I say that really sarcastically. Supposed to be the (laughs) be-all and end-all to each other. Um, So in a polyamorous situation, you might have an anchor partner that you're financially enmeshed with and have children with or whatever, or it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a cis relationship, like any kind of like anchoring live in situation. There's this assumption that you're, you know, you're woven together and we could get into talking about hierarchical and all that kind of thing on this subject. But the reality is, is, um, you are spending time with a lot of people, and if you're doing it, I don't want to sit and say if you're doing it properly, right. but if you're doing it ethically, let's put it that way, um, you should be patient with not only your other partners, but expect patience back. Because it may be a longer period of time before you connect at a quality level with different people. Mm-hmm. You may not see your anchor partner every day like you would a normal monogamous relationship. The pace of polyamory, I think, moves slower. And so mm-hmm. with that... Mastering the art of patience is a really good skill to have. Mm-hmm. Like, sort of telling yourself the narrative of when you're going to see that person next. And, like, I have a lot of partners who are the most impatient people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> they want it now. Yeah. Uh, and I get it. But through the course of practicing this lifestyle, we all find this grace in supporting each other's... Um, like, it's, we sort of go back to that wanting the best, picking the empath, wanting mm-hmm. other people to be happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this is all stuff you learn. It's all stuff I kind of like, learn. Yeah, and just, you, you gotta so learn. You, you have that you moment get, in the shower. You do, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I gotta write that down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, number number nine. And oh, I just go noticed one day that, like, polyamory, as much as it can be a really frenetic energy, because there's so much going on. and Constantly. And, and constantly. Yeah. There's also this kind of graceful slowness to it. That is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's why it's sort of important to just realize that, you know, your other partner has other obligations, mm-hmm. uh, might have multiple obligations, mm-hmm. and just because they're engaged, it doesn't mean they don't love you, it doesn't mean they're not there for you. Uh, there are ways of tapping in and getting that information in a really frank conversation, but you just shouldn't assume that, which we do as human beings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and so just that's Just wait where, your turn. Yeah, meditate wait on it. Wait your turn. Yeah, wait your turn. Wait your turn. Yeah. They have four other partners, so you have to wait one, two, three. Ah, your then now I'm number four. Heart, you know, one, yeah. two, three. Ah, great, number four again. Well, and I think it goes back to this. I was talking about how they were talking about long-distance relationships are very successful statistically, and it's because you maximize quality time when you're with that person more intensely than you would if you just take that person for granted. Yeah. So that patience ends up paying off mm-hmm. if you're doing it ethically. Yes. Yeah, we get into other things in the, the list about ghosting and stashing and all that kind of stuff. So awesome. that's the opposite. Okay, we, we're right? at oh, number we're 10, point, number 10, it. baby. <laughs> Except that it's not always nice. What do you mean by that? Um, uh, that it's work. That it's fucking Yeah, work. I think that um, this point was a realization I was, I was in a part of my life where, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fucking work. Right, like polyamory is, and this is where you sort of go back to the first point where make it your hobby. If you're just like on your Tinder, I'm poly because I want to fuck all kinds of people. Mm -hmm. You're not the kind of person who's going to pick up the ethical slot and read it cover to cover, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and Mm -hmm. that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I think with people who are truly enmeshed and dedicated to making open relationships work in a healthy way. It can get chaotic, it can get busy, it can get, um, it can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had it moments... It can be emotional. It can it be, can a, be very emotional. Yeah. Especially, they, they, I love the saying, you know, when it's good, it's really, really good. When it's bad, it's really, really bad. That's <laughs> that's polyamory right there. Yeah. It's like the, the, the pendulum of emotional um, engagement on a relationship level, like... Times but, however many partners you have. Yeah, and I've had like these yeah. these times of absolute bliss on top of the world. Like it's it's like, and I've been monogamous in my life, and I can honestly say this: it's over and above that monogamous love. It's like like on steroids. Yeah. And then when it comes crashing down, it it's, is brutal. And like there have been times in my experience where I'm just like, I just want to throw the whole lifestyle away. Mm-hmm. There's something safe about monogamy. There's something like. Predictable, predictable and, and safe. And there's a and, script, and it's... yeah, and I don't have to deal with all this stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, when I say it's not always nice, I think this is for the 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 one the the, the sort of new people, yeah, who enter the lifestyle and get all evangelical about it. Uh, and I've caught myself doing this too. Um, like polyamory is not a cure for monogamy. Mm-hmm. It's not better than monogamy at all. And there's a reason why monogamy is like, you know, 99.9% of our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could go and argue the reasons why that is, but like it is the norm and it works for lots of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I think for a lot of people who are like, Polly is the cure for everything and it's the best. It's not the best. Mm-hmm. There's tough times. There's work. There's 
heartbreak. There's crying. Like just there's scheduling. There's talking. There's, there's it's 99% talking about yeah. your emotions. It's all the same problems that a regular <laughs> monogamous relationship has. And then there's these unique factors. Mm-hmm. But then there's also these unique factors in monogamy that don't, don't you know. So like, you know, this is where I say it's not always nice. Just be realistic about that. Mm-hmm. And don't think it's the cure-all. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Number 11, Number we're 11 at? 11 of 21. Okay. Have an agreement. Okay. Yeah, this one's okay. really kind of fun. Okay. Um, there's a sort of two sides to this because when you... So there's these things called polyamorous agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you've ever come across these. Like a contract? They're like... Yeah, like a contract. Yeah. And, and, and in fact, one of the caveats I missed to say, a lot of these poly hacks are and it's i think it's at the beginning of my little preamble are written from a sort of bdsm perspective because my lifestyle is that uh, and of course contracts and uh limits and things like that are a part of that whole life and that whole lifestyle and so a couple of years ago i found people who and these are for people especially if they uh, there's multiple partners living in the same roof where these agreements really come in handy and i found a couple online and they were fascinating mm-hmm. they were like legal documents mm-hmm. Um, and they don't cover things like you can do this and you can do that. They cover it's more conflict re- resolutiony kind of stuff. Like here are the here are the conditions if somebody gets to veto another partner. Here's here's what you have to like. Here's the the levels you've got to achieve in order to go. I don't like that person. Want out of my life? And they're like very like this person actually is going to harm you or harm or harm the unit. Yeah, in ways. Um, so I found so I ended up sort of taking one of these templates and writing what I would think would be the ideal agreement for myself. Mm-hmm. And then ended up sharing it with some of my partners. And none of us ever signed it. Mm-hmm. We all sort of like looked at it and went, this is actually really good. But it, like, we never really held each other to it. But what it did do is it sort of fused boundaries mm-hmm. in this sort of unwritten rule system that was actually written. And I'm sure you writing it yourself, it helped you articulate. Totally. You know? Totally. And it covered everything from STIs and testing and... Barriers. Entry, and, and, yeah. Entry of new partners into the relationship and when a relationship becomes a relationship. And, and um, you know, I, it's actually... I, I, if your listeners want me to share it, I actually have a copy of it. I don't mind sharing it with the public. But uh, I wrote this thing and I felt it really fused my own principles around Polly and the people I was with at the time. And, uh, and it helped. Mm-hmm. It helped sort of have this sort of standard. It, it never was adopted as this is the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even know. if it is, you know, it's a piece of paper. So, hey, you can edit it. You can Absolutely. rewrite can it. Document. You can cross things out. Yeah. You can, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's never written in stone. Even if you do have a contract yeah. or an agreement, you know, with your partner or partners. It also helps. You can change it and grow it. The conversation between your metamorphs about what is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. What somebody else's needs are may be different from somebody else's needs. It helps have those conversations and facilitate and liaise on those things. Definitely, so, yeah. yeah. I just had J- uh, Taylor J. Mace on the pod talking about having multiple dominance and how to balance that. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I listened to that one. Very interesting. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, they were basically talking about, like, as an example, okay, I'm supposed to, with this one dom, I'm supposed to wear the collar all the time Mm -hmm. and I do wear the color all the time except when I don't (laughs) 
And when I don't, it's for these reasons, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yes, I will do that rule all the time, except when I will not do that rule. <laughs> well, it's like, interesting you say that because I, I know I've, there is a there is a publication, a book written by um, I think it's Raven Caldera. It's a very interesting character, actually, which is a book called Power Circuits, which is polyamory in BDSM, and they talk about that subject. Very cool. Right? Like what? That's a huge thing. Yeah, right? yeah. And a yeah. lot of people come to me and go, "Can I do that?" I'm like, "Of course, course you can. can. Like, yeah. do whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> make it work for you. Exactly. It just has to. You got to tweak it a bit. You yeah, gotta cater it yeah. to everybody. And it's whatever. Very, it's what's going very on? Very unique <laughs> and individual. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number twelve. Avoid the coddle. Avoid the coddle. This is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another one you could dedicate a whole you could talk a, a while episode on. on. Um, there's this concept that I was introduced to a number of years ago, and the person who introduced the concept introduced it as brutal polyamory, mm. which sounds exciting. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like something we really want to yeah. do. Um. <laughs> brutal polyamory. Um, the idea is, is uh, so there's, there's, I'm going to sort of paint a scenario here. Sure. You're a polyamorous person. You meet somebody who is new to it or is unsure about it, and you really like each other, and you fall in love, mm-hmm. and you build a relationship, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And then a year later, you have been completely enmeshed with this person. You haven't talked about polyamory. You haven't had any new partners, but you are polyamorous. And you meet somebody else. And then it all comes crashing down. Yeah. Right? And this is... I, I paint this scenario to sort of paint what a coddling is. It's... And some people do this intentionally. And I've seen it a number of times. Where they're going to, like, gently introduce that person to polyamory in a slow manner. And that's... I think that personally is bad advice. Mm-hmm. I think you need to remind this person that this is your lifestyle. And it doesn't mean you have to go and date people on purpose just for the purpose of showing them, you know, that you're a polyamorous person. Yeah. So, okay. Sort of so the, your scenario is like, you just happen to not be seeing multiple people at that time. Yeah. Got and you. What so, ends up happening is that yeah. person gets sidelined by this lifestyle in a way that they're not you know they're not used to mm-hmm. they they think that they were the one there's almost a pseudo monogamy going yeah, on yeah because they were not. the only partner you were yeah. seeing you, especially was- if they're not experienced in polyamory or the concepts of it yeah. like what i would say is a better course of action is even if that scenario does happen that you're constantly talking about what the parameters of that is that you're constantly like um trying to involve that person in interacting with you you know, doing the things you normally do in polyamory. And it's, uh, it's interesting because I've personally taken a bit of a break from multiple partners this year. Mm-hmm. Um, my current partner and I have talked extensively about polyamory throughout this whole period. And sometimes it hasn't been nice. And we're at a point now where, you know, it's really actually quite lovely where they're like, you know, you got to get out and date somebody. Man. Yeah. Like, you're poly. Like, yeah. you know, like, and that is wonderful. That mm-hmm. is an amazing thing. That person empathically wants the best for me and knows that this is an important part of my life and is like, you know, do this with this person. They're wonderful. They'll fit with us and our way we do things and the way you are as a human being. It's not about people fitting in and like, you know, 
serving you in that way, but like that's an important thing to sort of like consider is how does a new person going to affect all of my relationships? The whole dynamic. Yeah, the whole yeah. dynamic. Mm-hmm. How the equilibrium, how are you going to manage that? Mm-hmm. So coddling is, you know, protecting people mm-hmm. from the lifestyle because you know it's going to upset them. You're trying to avoid that uncomfortable conversation. You're trying to avoid the jealousy and you end up just diving into it in a really kind of unpleasant manner. Yeah, okay, got you. (laughs) Totally get it. Totally get it now. Okay. Was anyone else thinking that there was no way we were going to get through 21 polyam hacks in a single episode? Well, sir, you are correct. (laughs) I was also looking at the time. I had an eye on it, and at one point we shut down, And I asked Steve, you know, if we really do want to get through all 21, can you give me an extra half hour, an extra 45 minutes so that we can do that? And then we can separate these episodes into a juicy two-parter. So Steve was very generous with his time and uh, allowed me to do that. So... Unfortunately, this is the end. I gotta leave you hanging for now. This is the end of part one of our 21 polyam hacks with Steve. And on schedule next Sunday, you will receive the second part of our lovely conversation. But until then, you can follow my lovely guest, Steve, at The Hanged Man on Instagram. And also, he wants to direct your attention to the Fate Fetish Nights that he runs at the Remix Lounge, usually every other first Saturday of the month. As for everything bedpost, well, you know you can follow my Patreon. You can donate at patreon.com slash thebedpostshow. You can go over to our YouTube channel. We have a lovely new YouTube show. I think we're I've just released episode seven of Bedpost Product Reviews, which is a really fun show that uh, I get a guest comedian in there. We get an independent sex toy creator to donate some toys, and then we do a really fun review of what it was like to use them. Also, we're always on Instagram at the Bedpost Podcast. We're on Facebook at Bedpost Erotica. You can email me at thebedpostsexshow at gmail.com and also my pro-dom socials are at pim.lady on Instagram or at theladypim1 on Twitter, but I'm a hell of a lot more frequent on the Twitter. Lastly, but of course not least, I want to thank my good friend Stephanie Copeland, who does all the original music for The Pod. You can find out more about her and her art at stephcopelandmusic.com. So yes, everyone, stay tuned next week for part two of my lovely 21 Polyam Hacks with Steve. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network.